last few weeks, I've taught salivary glands to around three different sets of students. So let's complete the whole set today and talk about a five-minute podcast dedicated to your salivary glands. So let's talk about their function, their location, their innovation in brief, and a little bit of clinical relevance. Now, let's press the starter then. So, what are your salivary glands? Well, salivary glands are exocrine glands, which means that they do not secrete anything into the blood system, but instead they secrete it into your gastrointestinal system. And what they secrete is a tasteless, odorless fluid called saliva. Now, your saliva is about 90% good old-fashioned H2O or water, but there are some other things in there. There are some immune factors, there are some enzymes such as amylase, and you can test out the presence of amylase. Take a piece of bread, pop it in your mouth, and you will note that that bread becomes sweeter if you leave it in longer than you would usually, where those carbohydrates are broken down into sugars. The function of salivary glands, however, is a little more than initially meets the eye. The classic, of course, is digestion. It's involved in oral hygiene. It hydrates the oral mucosa, protects your teeth, has some immune function, binds your food to form a food bolus, aid in swallowing. The list just goes on. In other animals, there's some even more interesting function, but I won't digress here. We really don't have the time for that. What is impressive, though, is we secrete about one and a half litres of saliva per day. And most of that's just reabsorbed in your digestive tract. Okay then, let's get on to salivary glands now then. Saliva is of course produced by these exocrine glands called salivary glands. And you have three paid major glands and around 1,000 minor glands. The latter are dispersed around your oral mucosa and you don't really come across those in just a clinical examination. Now each of your major glands is located by the name, sensibly named, the largest gland is the parotid gland and it sits para-otto or next to your ear, hence the name parotid gland. Now, this is a behemoth or relative behemoth compared to the other glands. It's very, very big. But actually, despite its size, it only produces about 20% of your saliva. And this is very serous or watery in contrast. The two remaining major glands are the smaller sublingual gland, which sits sublingual under the tongue, and the submandibular gland, which sits underneath the mandible, or rather the body of your mandible. Now, these two glands secrete a more mucoid saliva, or mucus consistency, and the submandibular gland accounts for around 60% of all production. Compare that to the parotid, which is only around 20%, and you can see this is the real hard worker of the group. Now, each of the major glands have ducts or drainage points that you really need a mirror to identify. So, find a mirror, have a look inside the oral cavity. The parotid duct passes into the oral cavity opposite your second molar tooth. And this is known as Stenson's duct. And you can actually milk it. Take a good swallow first, then taking your thumb, press firmly on one of your cheeks just anterior to your pinna or the external ear. Brush this forward, pressing firmly on the cheek a couple of times, and any luck, you will notice that saliva passes into a previously dry mouth. We are dry. Now, your sublingual and submandibular glands and ducts drain sublingually under the tongue. So, in the mirror again, lift your tongue, fold of mucosa you see either side of the stringy frenulum that tethers your tongue to the floor of your mouth is where you will find multiple sublingual ducts. The submandibular or Warthin's duct sits as a papilla immediately lateral to that frenula. So, you'll see those little swellings there. Again, have a go at milking. Same technique, but this time rubbing underneath your chin and mandible. 
Now, the glands of the face have a rule when it comes to innovation. Any gland above the oral fissure, which is the gap between your two incisor teeth and lips, innervated by a branch of the facial nerve called the greater petrosal nerve. Think nasal mucosa for these ones, so the stuff that makes your snot. Any gland below the oral fissure or opening of your mouth is supplied by the facial nerve branch, the corda tympani. The parotid gland, however, is a bit of an exception to this rule. This has the facial nerve passing through it, but it is not innervated by that facial nerve. It is instead innervated by the glossopharyngeal nerve via the wonderful otic ganglion, a topic that probably needs about 10 minutes, not five, but we'll cover that another time in a five-minute podcast. So when we mention these nerves, it is the parasympathetic nervous system that hitchhikes along the nerve, which is your rest and digest. You can see the link there. Clinical relevance then. The posh ancient Greek name for your saliva or salivary is the prefix sialo. Therefore, a sialolith is a salivary stone, a crystallised mineral salt that forms mostly in the submandibular gland, actually, but occasionally in the parotid and rarely in the sublingual. This process is called sialolithiasis. These stones then can block the ducts and result in pressure, pain, discomfort, dry mouth, and it itself can result in inflammation, which we term sialadenitis. And the most conservative treatment for stones is to promote salivation using the fantastically named sialagogues, which is just a lemon sweet, really. Okay, so we talked about salivary glands today. We spoke about their function, stating that it's more than just digestion, but also key for oral health. We mentioned that it is innervated with a rule. Anything above the oral fissure is the greater petrosal nerve. Anything below is the corda tympani. And that parotid gland gets its from the glossopharyngeal nerve. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll catch you next time on Dissectable Me.